You don't leave a job to make the same amount of money as a job or even less than a job. You leave a job to gain your true value. And so like, that's one thing that people are seeing. A lot of people are leaving their jobs these days. Like I've just been seeing it. People in this offer, they have their own business. They found their own worth. We are worth a lot more than what they're trying to pay us, man. Okay, listen up. Tweet Talk episode 59. It's lit, it's lit, it's lit. Woo, it's hot. Hot, hot. This podcast is brought to you in part by investattheteam.com. We have created the official merch of Generational Wealth. You have to shift your mindset from employee to you can't fire me, Bob. Boss, always remember, no sacrifice, no reward. Hood Estates, exclusive collection, available at investattheteam.com. Now back to the world's greatest podcast. That's good. Are we on the air, Tweet sugar? Dope. What it sounds like to be the best. This is a Black Wealth Podcast. Build wealth, invest, own, and close the wealth gap. It's time to break down these financial concepts with your host, Mr. Todd Meganet himself, Charles Oglesby, and Raphael Husband. The higher we go, the less common these numbers are. So maybe we should do like episode number nine. <laughs> Who's the famous player that wore number nine? I'm thinking... The dream team, and, maybe? Andre Iguodala, Sergi Baca, episode Sergi Baca. You got to look back to the uh, U.S. dream team. That might be, number nine is probably Jordan or something. I, I think it was Michael Jordan. And then Kobe was number 10. I always had a theory about why he always picked one number after Jordan. Like, instead of 23, he's picked 24. Instead of nine, he's picked, picked number 10. And I think it's like he wanted to be like the one after Jordan, like the next one up after Jordan. Speaking of Michael Jordan, um, I saw that they have a preview for the Tune. What is that movie called? Space Jam with LeBron uh-huh. James. So that looks kind of cool. I think it'll get a lot of interest. Well, I haven't seen that trailer yet. Well, it's not really a trailer. It's like a spoiler. It's basically like LeBron James walking out in the uniform. So there's no like actual like cinematic trailer or anything. Yeah, Man, this yeah. whole this the world is crazy these days. It's crazy out here. It's hot. And it's very hot. How hot is it where you are? Actually, it's cooled down a lot uh, since you started talking about it's hot in California. But it was well, like, hopefully. it was hot. It was like 90s for like two weeks over here. We're dying over here. And I, I'm pretty sure like the heat over here is worse than the heat in Cali. I mean, that's what I heard. Um, normally, I would say that, but it's just been... It's been abnormally hot in California right now. And so I'm thinking it's like a wave. Sometimes you see these things where it'll start in one part of the country and it'll just work its way across. And so like when there's like a, like, there's like a snowstorm in like Detroit, then we'll get heavy rain in California. And so I'm hoping that this too shall pass. So I'm waiting for that cold, that cool weather. But man, it's like, what temperature is out here? In, in downtown LA, it doesn't normally get that hot. Now, granted, it's the middle of the summer. It's the middle of August. So it kind of froze. Oh, it, it's like 91 degrees out here. It's just crazy. And it's and it's like 6 o'clock in the afternoon. At a high, it was like 93. So it's very uncommon in downtown Liver to be that hot. It's no fun, man. No fun. I remember coming to America like in wintertime, and I'm from the Caribbean. It was like, man, I didn't know what cold was. And then that first New York, like, first New York summer hit, and I was like, damn, I didn't know what hot was. Cause it doesn't get, <laughs> get hot like it does over here. How old were you when you came to America? 
uh, 18th birthday. Really? Mm-hmm. 18th birthday? Yeah. Wow. So you spent the majority of your life in the Caribbean. Which, which island? Barbados. Man. So what, what is it like being in America? Do you... Do you feel like there's more opportunity here than there is other places? Uh, I mean, that's what my family brought me here because, you know, it's a highly, like, educated country, like, but the job opportunities aren't really the same. It's like, you know, it's like a 98% literacy rate, you know what I'm saying? Even if you're not, wow. even if you're not um, college educated, like, it's, it's still a strong education down there. Like, going to high school is like... I remember one time I had a, a like a college, not college, uh, a, a math teacher, and she was from from Canada. And one day she said to us, "You know, the stuff you guys are learning now is what they're teaching in college in America." Wow. I didn't think much of it, but you know, like certain schools, what? like the school I went to, I graduated like at sixteen. Most of them, most of them were like you graduate seventeen, eighteen. But the school I went to, most people graduated at sixteen. But anyway. So when you got to America, what did you do first? Froze. <laughs> right. <laughs> I froze. Took me a while to get used to it. I mean, I took me a while to get used to the cold, man. Uh, so at first I was just in the house watching TV. Really? All these channels, you know? And like, In fact, it took me a while to explore the channels because when I was a kid in Barbados, there was one channel. And it wasn't even on 24 hours a day, you know? Wow. You know, one cut off channel. At, yeah, it cut off at like 11 p.m. Something like that. So it was like 4 o'clock. Sesame Street came on, like, my whole life, like, it don't matter how, if you were a teenager, if you were home at that time and you want to watch TV, you were watching Sesame Street. <laughs> it's That's like, funny. And there's no, like, big deal about it, like, one channel, 4 o'clock Sesame Street, then it's cartoon from 5 to 6, and then 6 is Days of Our Lives, and it was, like, Days of Our Lives from, like, the 60s. And this was like the late 80s, 90s. You watching Days of Our Lives from the 60s. It was crazy. Seven o'clock is the news. Eight o'clock is sitcoms. Blah blah blah. But anyway, man, Barbados is a little tiny island, man. Yeah, it's about 300,000 people in the whole country. <laughs> so square mile is not square mile. 166 square miles. So. Jeez. 166 square miles. About What's the capital? Bridgetown. Yeah. Do people go there to travel? Yeah, the big it's a big um that's the biggest uh, industry, tourism. Big tourism. Interesting. Big tourism. Interesting. But so we got great beaches, great people, everybody talks about the people are friendly, great beaches, great hotels. In the Kensington Oval. Did you grow up playing cricket? I didn't really like cricket. I don't understand no. cricket, man. But I really, I feel like I don't understand it because I only know baseball. But if I, if I didn't know baseball, I would probably understand it. This is like a little tiny island, man, out there in the. It is, but they got a nice, uh, a nice golf course down there, like world class, Sandy Lane. That's crazy. Are there drugs magic. out there? I mean, drugs is everywhere, man. Yeah. I just feel like it's it's really close to Colombia. I wouldn't say that, but I'm looking. It's it's. Cl- I'm looking at it right now, man. <laughs> We're turning it, we're turning it into one of those nonsense podcasts where they just be talking about stuff that isn't business oriented. You ever listen to one of those like Joe yeah, Budden podcasts? I've never listened to the Joe Budden podcast, but I, there is. I mean, you know the Eric Thomas podcast, the Success Man, whatever it is, Success Podcast, whatever it is. Yeah, I can't really get it. Man, the only time I've ever really gotten some value out of that podcast 
is I was asleep one night and I had it on and it was like far into the episode because you got to listen far into the episode. Otherwise, they're just talking about nonsense. It's just nonsense, nonsense, nonsense. They talk about stuff going on in their life for like the first 20 minutes or whatever. Like just they let their their kid tell a joke. So they're like his son will come on there and tell some little silly joke, which is cool for the kids. But I mean, so I was listening to the podcast and this gym that I got. And he was he was talking about how now that Eric Thomas is where he is, they're chasing billion dollar level stuff, which I think a lot of us are kind of chasing like the billion dollar level stuff now. And he was talking about how, like, if you do the math, the math of Eric Thomas speaking to the NBA in order for him to reach a billion, he'd have to do like a number that wasn't doable. And so they started thinking like, okay, so what can we do to reach billion dollar levels? You reach billion dollar levels by selling products over and over and over again, and preferably not even tangible products. Digital products are some of the best because tangible products, you got to house them, you got to buy them, you got to ship them. I'm still waiting on the stuff to be shipped. I could have been selling it if it was just something else. But um, he was just saying, like, if you want to reach billion dollar levels, you got to start doing the things that are going to track you towards billions while you are where you are. You can't continue to do the same stuff and expect to get new levels. So that's the only bar that I got. But other than that, they just be rambling. Yeah. Rambling, rambling, rambling. So, how's the new big body, man? Got the new Lexus ES. <laughs> I'm loving it, man. It's, it's so funny. I was driving into work today, and I was like, I don't even feel like I'm driving. I'm just floating. I'm just floating into the office. Like, this is great. So, <laughs> loving it. But, you know, how life works. You start looking at the LS now, so I'm like, dang, I can't wait to get the bigger one. So I'm like, I'm going to drive mine for like two years, and then we'll see what I get next. But Yeah. You know what? Because the listeners demanded, let's get into these tweets. And you said, Charles, in the ghetto, they attack winners because they don't think winning is possible. It's kind of like crabs in the bucket, man. Um, Basically, people see you get out, and they got to pull you down. And so I've just been realizing that, like, we posted something about Elon Musk and Elon Musk becoming the fourth richest person in the world. And I saw it and got inspired. I got inspired because he chased his dream despite the naysayers. And he chased his this dream despite very smart people saying it can't work and it's too expensive. He won't be able to create an affordable car. And to see somebody win at a high, high level, to me, is inspiring. And so for me, I see it and I celebrate it. But to other people, they see it and they attack it. And I'm just realizing that's how the culture kind of exists. And so I was talking to one of my friends, I'm invest with Fab, and she was talking about how like with the whole Jay Morrison thing, like one of the things he did that was wrong was working with people who didn't have any money. Because when you work with people who like have a small mind, they don't really know like what it takes to build something first and foremost, but also they still can't escape the fact that they're like crabs and they're easily influenced and people could just tell them something and now they're running with that. And so Jay Morrison posted two videos recently. He posted one where he was responding to to Tony the Closer, but he posted an even better one where he starts breaking out the Tulsa real estate fund business model. And it's like next level. Like it's stuff I would have never even thought about doing. They're doing private. It's not just all one thing. It's not just like, oh, we own this asset and that's it. It's like, no, yeah, we own this office space, but we also own a bunch of uh, a bunch of apartments. Oh yeah, we also have been doing some funding for flips. Oh yeah, we also have been doing this, this, this transactional funding. And I was proud of him for doing that because it showed, it allowed him to kind of flex his intelligence on other people. 
So basically what I'm saying is that it's unfortunate, but you just got to, I feel like the thing about social media is it allows us all to be in the same room with each other, even if normally we would not be in the same room with each other. And so there's people who are tweeting from the middle of the hood with the middle of the hood mentality. And they're over here talking to somebody on the 26th floor in downtown LA. Like we're not the same fam or somebody who's building a half million dollar house from the ground up. We're not the same. And so that is the frustrating part is that everybody on social media, whether they have money or not, because just because you have money doesn't mean that you have the right mindset. Just because you have money doesn't mean you're not ghetto. They they pull you down and they don't even realize why they're doing it. It's just they hate to see you winning. And people who aren't used to being around success can't stand to see other people win. But when you're used to being around success, everybody's successful. So what are you going to do? Attack everybody? No. That, that was kind of my thoughts behind that. That was my favorite tweet of the day, but that was a tweet that I put out. <laughs> You said one reason folks struggle is they only generate one year's worth of income each year. And so I was thinking about this today and I was thinking about how a lot of times when we hustle, we hustle for that tax return year. And so we're hustling to say, okay, I made $120,000 this year. And so then you're also likely going to spend $120,000 that year. And I look at different accounts that I have. And it's so funny because it's like, I'll be looking at the job and the job looks at me like they like I need them. And I'm like, bro, in one account, I have multiple years worth of income. But I realized like I had to generate multiple years. Um, like I realized I did that in less than a year. And so I was like, we have to recondition our thinking. Like, each year, you have the ability to generate as much money as possible. Like the sky is truly the limit. I started looking at stuff like as I as I start to transition out of like the 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 working a job type stuff. I'm looking and I'm just like, wow, this is amazing. Like, okay, I acquire this deal and I acquire this deal and I acquire this deal and I acquire this deal. We do this flip. We do this deal. We do this deal. And I was like, we could do a quarter million dollars next year. And that's crazy because it doesn't take a quarter million dollars worth to live. And I still even look at that as we're looking to acquire more real estate and get more passive income. I'm like, okay, our mortgage is this. Our rental expense, our, our living expenses are this on top of that. I was like, we have way more money than we need and it's all passive income. So if I decide to work, I work. If I don't decide to work, I don't have to work. That's living. We're in a position to take this money and re- be, pat- be financially free. Money doesn't make you financially free. Assets make you financially free. Money is just money. Money, in my opinion, makes you one step away from poverty because who knows what's going to happen to that money. But if you got the assets, now you got something you can lean on. Either it's going to pay you out in cash flow or you can liquidate it and use it for what you have to use it for. So I just want to encourage people to start thinking bigger. I just realized that flaw in ourselves is we're always looking at how much can I make for this year instead of looking at like, how much can I just make, period? Like, what can I do? What can I run up in this year? And I was just, it kind of blew my mind because when you start thinking Thinking that way, it changes. That's wealth. Wealth is when you take a year and you earn 10 years worth of income. And the next year, you're earning another 10 years worth of income. The next year, another 10 years, 20 years. And now you can start giving those years to your family. So it's like money and assets are actually time. And so we have to approach it as like, I'm buying my time, not I'm buying stuff. And so if I can give time to my son, that's invaluable because that time is so valuable. The time that I'm at the job is time that I'm losing. I can't talk to people who are selling trucks. I can't talk to lenders. I can't promote my business. If I can get my time back, I can make even more money. And that's why I was able to even get this business to where it is now because I had time. I took those two weeks, three weeks, and I was going hard in the paint, Raphael. I was promoting on Twitter. I was promoting on Instagram. 
I was running sales every day. I was doing the countdowns. Now I can't really do that stuff and sales stuff because of that. But if I have my time, I can make 10 times more than what I make in my job. Access is what make you free, huh? Get you free. I think that's a gym, man. Yeah, so when you say that, it makes me think of the whole buying a house in cash thing. I, I think people downplay the, the, the concept of owning a roof over your head and no matter what happens, you, you won't be on the street, like at the very least. Like, I don't understand why people don't get that. I think they don't get it because it's not possible for them. And so I think I saw a statistic, I'm reading the Everyday Millionaire's book, and I want to say he said that like, that like most millionaires own their house free and clear. Mm-hmm. And people don't realize like, if you have a house that's paid off, you got permanent net worth. If you have a house that's worth a half million dollars, and it's paid off, you're worth at least half a million dollars, not to mention how much money it can appreciate towards. And so that's the first thing. But also, you just gave yourself time freedom. If you have a, like everybody works and they go to work to pay for the roof of their head. That's the, that's all we're really paying for. Everything else is a bonus. And so, especially these days, people are spending at least half their income in their housing expense. This isn't a situation where like housing is just like a byproduct of living. Like no, housing is the majority of what you're working towards. And a lot of people that work looks like waking up early, commuting, missing kids events, having to stay late, having to work weekends, building wealth for somebody else. Like those things, in my opinion, to avoid, like to avoid, because I mean, we're going to keep it 100. Like we aren't exactly some of the most valued people in the workplace. And so to avoid all that nonsense gives you your self-esteem back. And your self-esteem is everything. What you think about yourself and what your kids think about you is everything. It's like James Dash says, everybody's a boss until, everybody's a superhero to their kids until their boss walks in the room. And so if you have to have a boss to, to pay your mortgage, you've automatically been demoted in the eyes of your child. And then what example are you setting for your child? Are you setting an example that I have to work for other people because they're watching everything that you do and they're going to mirror what you do. And so I just, I think that a lot of people, they try to, they try to be too financy and I feel like everything isn't as textbook as they want it to be. Everything is not so technical. And so we'll look at things, even, even the, like, for example, people are always say like, okay, well, what's the, the best way to pay off your credit cards? Should I pay off the lowest balance or should I pay off the one with the highest interest rate? The logical person is going to say, I should pay off the one with the highest interest rate first. And they don't realize that the win that you get from paying off the small one motivates you to pay off the other ones. I don't pay off credit cards any other way besides that, but it's counterintuitive. And there's a lot of things that are counterintuitive. It might make sense to take a half million dollars and try to make 12, 15, 20% instead of taking a half million dollars and buying your freedom because we're slaves, Raphael. If you got to work for somebody else, you are a slave. And the more that we live, the more that I realize that. Jimmy Johnson, he said it. He was like, back in the day, yeah, you worked for free, but guess what else you got for free? You got free food, you got free housing, you got free clothes. And these days, yeah, we get money, but what do we spend our money on? Housing, food, and clothes. It's a wash. There's the thing about America is you gotta you gotta think, not be dictated to. If you're dictated to, you're gonna be a part of somebody else's agenda. So if your only opinions are based on what you heard, you're part of the herd and you're gonna be led to slaughter. They're just leading you to slaughter. It's so frustrating these days. Like I see like the Democrats and their agenda. And I look at it and it just looks at it like a whole bunch of free stuff, but it's free stuff that's not going to change your life. I've never really seen a government program that changed people's lives. Like they're, they're doing things like, oh, well, we're going to make community college free. 
oh, we're going to help you with student loan debt up to $20,000. Or what about people who have $100,000 student loan debt? So we're going to vote for you to give us a Band-Aid. I don't want Band-Aids. I want to be in position to run my income up to the point where I could pay off my student loans right now. I could pay for law school right now. And who knows what I'm going to do next year? Who knows what I can do the year after that, the year after that? Like that's where we need to be. We need to be in a position where we're creating these e-com companies where you see these girls who are making millions in a minute. It's like, do you want a $15 minimum wage or do you want to make millions in a minute? And that's where we're working towards. People are buying homes. People are creating rental properties. People are wholesaling's kind of fizzled out because fuck wholesaling. But like people are doing dope shit. They're building communities. They're doing all these really cool stuff. We're not seeing people really being um, exploited. Like that's what we're, we, the thing about it, what's frustrating is what I feel like the Democrats are doing is they're like, y'all getting a little bit too free, man. You're not supposed to be making a million dollars in a minute. Y'all supposed to be happy with this $20 that we're going to give you. And so we need to make Trump seem like he's so bad. He's so, like the way they presented Trump, you would have thought it was going to be anarchy in the streets, Raphael. They're like, it's so dangerous. He's going to import us to Africa. Remember that? That was what they tried to sell us on. They tried to sell us on. He's sending us back to Africa. Who did he send back to Africa? Nobody. (laughs) Nobody. But that's what they told us. He's going to put us back in chains. I think Joe Biden said they're going to put you back in chains. Wow. None of that happened. We are more powerful than we think we are. We just need the government to get out of the way. That's why Atlanta is so prosperous. There it is like, hey, we don't want the free shit. We just want you to get out of the way. Just don't don't oppress us. Don't be hating on us. Just let us do our thing. Don't be over here trying to burn down what we build. And we let y'all have your thing. And that's the way it should be. That's the way it should be in Black America. It's like, hey, I'm not trying to slander you and hate on you and call you names. I'm going to let you do you, but you let me do me. And I've been finding like a lot of times, like a lot of these black gurus, black wealth gurus are doing more more work attacking other people that look like them than actually building it up for themselves. The problem is a lot of them are wrong. And so it's like if you attack something, you act like you are the end all be all of black wealth. You're wrong you don't have all the answers. You don't have all the foresight. Why? Because we're creating something that nobody's ever seen before. Nobody's ever seen black what? So who are we to tell somebody how we can do it? We're just all speculating at this point. We're all trying. We're all guessing. So to come at, at Jim Moore's and say, oh, well, this isn't, you not this because it, it didn't happen fast enough. Or to come at somebody else and say, you can't teach that because it's risky. Or you can't tell somebody to take their money out of a savings account and put it into a real estate investment trust. Like, who are you? You're over here giving white people advice to black people. And it's not the same. You got to give black people advice to black people. And a lot of people who are educated, that's what they do. They're like, I know white people stuff. Here's some white people stuff for you. It's like, no, you got to, you got to really live this. I've been there. I've learned it and I've seen what works, what doesn't work. And that's why I apply what works to my people with damn good results. And game results. But you also said the difference is now I don't broadcast everything I'm doing in real time. I just execute and win on the low. On the low, low, man. I don't, I, I'm not over here telling people how I'm able to create things and make money. Like if I post something about deals, I'm not telling you what city I'm buying them in because competition kills profits. And if I have a bunch of competition, I can't make money there anymore. I can't make money in Detroit because there's too many, there's too much competition there. Granted, I don't think that I'm the end all be all for the competition in Detroit, but I might've played a part. Um, It's great to have had it because it did increase the property values and what we own. And so a part of me kind of wanted it. But another part of me is like, I got to be greedy when I have opportunity. I just feel like maybe the ego in me wanted me to be proven right. But now I know I'm right. So I don't need you to, I don't need people to say like, (laughs) you're right. 
I'm just over here trying to run it up while I can. And we are. And we're going to continue to. And I'm not broadcasting how I'm doing it. In fact, I haven't, like, there's people who have worked with me who I told about what I was doing before I started doing it. And they kind of shrugged it off. And before I would have come to them like, no, y'all got to do this. It's working. It's making this much money for me per month, blah, blah, blah. And now I'm just like, mm, I'm going to just keep this to myself because I don't want somebody to create something that's similar to what I'm doing. And so like a lot of people don't really see what I'm doing. They don't even know. They have no idea. And that's the way it should be. I'm visible, but I'm also making moves on the low. And so, of course, the obvious stuff people think is, is selling the course but the thing about that is even selling a course, you can't even really catch me on the course stuff because I have such a long track record of doing everything else. And so like, that's what's so frustrating sometimes is I see people and they're like, oh, well, I'm going to just do what you're doing to make as much money as you. And I'm like, y'all have, I've, I've been, first and foremost, I'm not doing it for the money. The money is an end result. So that's a big difference. The other is I started a long time ago. Like I didn't just start making money. I started with the free investment club with the free um, real estate club, low cost, with a podcast, with the blog, with the website, all these different things that I was committing my time, effort, and energy into for free that built up the brand at Tide Capital. And now we have 109 followers and pretty soon we're going to surpass Blacker Pockets because we are the real Blacker Pockets. And I feel like if I were to continue to like promote real people, I would get to the point where I would, I would surpass Blacker Pockets. But I mean, to have grown this company from where it was to where it is now, I remember when we had maybe 20 followers or 20,000 followers and then the 40,000 followers. And what people don't even realize is the Todd Capital page actually used to be the Hunter Todd Law page or Hunter Todd Network page. So if you scroll all the way back and it's a lot of posts, if you were to go to the beginning of like the Hunter Todd or the Todd Capital website, it's really Hunter Todd Neckwear. I used to have a, a Thai company and I just like had to morph, I had to iterate, but I'm always putting stuff out there. I'm always going to continue to put stuff out there and hopefully I can sell some more duffel bags. I'm trying to buy a watch. This is nice. Visit GetLacedLaces.com. Do your sneakers look just like everyone else's? Could your sneakers use an upgrade? Be sure to slide on down to GetLacedLaces.com and grab some premium laces. These laces will make your sneakers stand out guaranteed. That's www.GetLacedLaces.com. Premium shoes need premium laces. Go get yours now. You can also connect on social media at Principal P DMC. <laughs> Another wife, man. She's gonna get you. She is. Reminds me, I was gonna ask you, um, what's your wife's stance now on the on the the nine to five? On you keeping the nine to five? Man? Um. I, I feel like she's more concerned with her not having to go back than me having to go back. Like she, her thought process is that. So I was thinking about this once. Is I was like, you know what? A part of me working my nine to five is income for her, and the business is income for us. And so if she doesn't ever go back to work, I have to work because then my income can transfer over to her. And so I feel like her stance is that she doesn't want us to be kind of asked out. And so it's going to take more than just this inconsistent internet income to do it. I need to be able to um, create passive income through other investments. And so I've just been hustling, trying to look at more homes, more homes, more homes. For a while, I was looking at rental cars and looking at trucks. And I was like, that's just not my space. I don't know how the financing works. I don't know how the purchase and the acquisition works. I don't know how the storage works. I'm just going to focus on getting more homes and I'm going to use certain certain cash to get it. And I'm also going to start using business credit and I'll also start getting other financing. And I'm just going to kind of build up a, a, a portfolio of homes. But I would say she's not like, honestly, she's not as gung-ho 
about me leaving the job as I would hope. But I told her is that you don't leave a job to make the same amount of money as a job or even less than a job. You leave a job to gain your true value. And so like, that's one thing that people are seeing. A lot of people are leaving their jobs these days. Like I've just been seeing it and people in this offer, they have their own business. They found their own worth. We are worth a lot more than what they're trying to pay us, man. And and they know that if, if they didn't, if you weren't worth something, they wouldn't even hire in the first place. And so that knowledge you have is valuable. And so, especially if you weren't worth more than what they're paying you, they wouldn't be paying you either. And so I've just, I've, I've realized that maybe she won't see it yet. So a lot of times you have to take proof to your wife. And I was watching something and they were talking about that. It's like, they won't see it until you prove it to them. And so I've proven certain things to them. She looks in the checking account. Interestingly enough, I thought she had access to everything, but she only really has access to the checking account. But she knows how much money we have in the checking account, despite the savings account, the investment account, and then my Robinhood account, and the other side accounts that I have. So she knows we got money. And so I don't think she's really like worried about that, but I still have to show her that we have assets. And so once we get like the St. Louis homes, um, we would lock those in. And then once we get more St. Louis homes, dang, I just told you where I'm buying homes. <laughs> and then yeah, you already did though before. This bleep, 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 bleep. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's like, we're going to rent it up and we're going to continue to get assets up and we're going to continue to like, because my thing is I got to start. I was, I was like, why doesn't Ty Capital have business credit cards that are those high limit cards? And I could buy more real estate with those cards. And we're going to get to about my goal is 20 grand a month in passive income. And the crazy part about 20 grand a month in passive income is you can't spend 20 grand in a month. And so at that point, I'll still be stacking money, but it's going to take a lot of strategy. It's going to take a lot of hustle. It's going to take a lot of finance knowledge. And I feel like it's tough to do that when you work a job because I could be fine. I'm like, I need more deals. Like the little four deals he sent me. I can't keep my family out for four deals. So what's the next? I need 10 deals. Where are the next 10 homes? Can you send me 10 homes? Can we start talking about 10 homes? And I'll put together the package for that. Like, that's where I need to be. 10 homes, you know, 10 homes plus the four, that's 14 homes. Each home paying us six. That's a cool eight grand a month. That's still not enough, but that's something. That's something. That's more yes, than the living expenses. Uh, let me ask something real quick. If somebody came to you, um, if somebody came to you with a deal that makes sense numerically speaking you would would you do like an apart like an apartment deal i know you're not yes. of, of course yeah they yes. it, of course that's why i know these days i I'm mean trying I, to, mm-hmm. i'm trying to do like a large scale like syndicate so i'm looking to do a deal worthy of being on uh buy back the block so i'm looking to either do a hotel or something large um so absolutely man i i feel like I need to double down on real estate and just stay in my lane and become an expert in my lane. I don't want to be out here because it's very difficult to to be great if you're all over the place. And so my goal is to just like, although there are a lot of shiny objects out there, trucking being one, I don't, I don't want to be the person who's in everything. I want to be the person who's just knowledgeable in that space. I know the ins and outs in that space. I know the who's who in that space. I know who to talk to in that space. That's what I want to be at this point in my life. Gotcha, gotcha. You said your fear of promoting yourself is keeping you broke. I had a feeling you were going to ask me that question. And I just, I feel like it, it's kind of self-explanatory, but I feel like people, they, they don't promote themselves for multiple reasons. And one of those reasons is they don't feel like they are the end-all be-all in that space. And so like Paris, for example, I've been telling her, I was like, hey, you need to drop your course on wholesaling. But I feel like in the back of her mind, she's like, oh, there's people out there who are better at wholesaling than I am and blah, blah, blah. And it doesn't matter because your story is unique to you. 
And so like everybody might not resonate with your story, but there's somebody that does first. And then also everybody knows the information, but they only know that information as it applies to you as somebody who's lives in Los Angeles, a female, African-American female, has a full-time job. Like that's valuable. You can bring value to the conversation by adding those elements of your personality. And so I've just realized like so many people that I come across just don't want to put their stuff out there. (coughs) Why? I don't know, but I realized that for me, I didn't get over the hump until I started promoting like my hair was on fire. I started just advertising, 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 advertising. And I haven't really been doing that on Twitter, which is a waste of my Twitter if I'm not. But think about it. It's like these followers could be here today, gone tomorrow. So either they're going to buy something or they're not. But I'm not going to not promote what I'm doing to not offend somebody who's going to be gone tomorrow. Like they could like me today. They could hate me tomorrow. A lot of these people I never met in person. A lot of these people, if I saw them in person, I wouldn't even know who they were, even if I followed them. And so it's like you owe it to yourself to constantly, constantly be pushing, promoting advertising. That's your only responsibility as an entrepreneur. Even when I look at um, Sierra, like Sierra started her own firm, but your job as a firm owner is not to manage your clients. Your job is to get more clients, period. And so you need to hire somebody who's going to be following following up with your clients. You got to hire somebody who's going to be making those phone calls, drafting those pleadings, getting that stuff done, getting that discovery done. It's not your responsibility to do that. You don't get rich doing discovery. You get rich getting more clients. Every single day, you should wake up. How can I get more clients? Every single day, 24 hours a day, it should not be, how can I file this LLC paperwork? Like, that's not your job. And at the end of it, and eventually, you get to the point where you have somebody who does that on your behalf. But as a CEO, if you don't have somebody there, that's your responsibility. And I find that so many people aren't getting the money that they want because they don't want to promote themselves. They don't want to advertise themselves. They don't want to put themselves out there. And if you don't, people won't know you exist. If they don't know you exist, they can't give you any money. It's like you said in the tweet, your job as a boss is to bring in cases, not to manage them. That's what I was trying to tell her. But people don't want to, people don't want to accept that because you don't go to law school to bring in cases. You come in law school to do lawyer stuff. And I feel like that's one of the things that I struggle with in law school is I didn't, I didn't really care about that stuff, man. I cared about the making money part. I, d- I did not really care about all these cases they had us reading, about law that I wasn't going to be practicing, criminal procedure, crim pro. If I could have gone to law school and just like taken business associations, contracts, and like contract drafting and all the business related stuff, I'd have been happy because that's all I really needed. I don't need any of the other stuff. And so a part of this isn't even just me. Like a part of this is working in the firm that I work in and seeing how big it has become and realizing how hard he goes at advertising. He's doing radio shows. He's doing, I've talked to you, talked to you guys about this. And like, that's where I realized that it's true. Like he brings in cases, he puts attorneys on those cases and they get those attorneys autonomy. So they're writing the motions. He's not looking at their motions. They're doing the appearances. He's not doing, doing their appearances. The only thing he really cares about in the grand scheme of things is that settlement number. He wants to know how much insurance do they have? What do they last offer? And what are we going to make out of it? That's all he cares about. That's the only time he gets involved. He's not in the weeds, not in the mud. It's not your responsibility as a boss to be in the weeds and in the mud. And that's why I give people so much autonomy when they work with me. It's like, I don't care how you get it done, but I do care that you get it done. And if it runs into a situation where it's not getting done, then I got to step in. And I had the situation this weekend. You were, you listened, we got it taken care of though. And I got it taken care of that day. 
And the thing is, is like a lot of times the boss is the person who did the job before the people who have the job. And so I think that as she gets more experience in doing what I'm doing, she'll get it. But in the beginning, it's kind of tough because you want to be nice and you also have your emotions into it. And so I feel like in a certain extent, like she feels like, you're not going to talk to me like that. You could go. But like as a boss, I'm like, no, they can't go. <laughs> if they go, we don't have any rent. If we don't have any rent, we got to put it on the market, all this other stuff. And so um, I just I watch bosses. I learn from bosses. I don't go to lunch with my coworkers anymore because I'm just not about that coworker life. And we just gonna level up. Level up. It's it's so it's so different when you you get around the boss. When you have a job, if when you get around the boss, boss like the owner, it's a huge difference between them and pretty much everybody else. I was thinking recently about how this one job I had working for this Jewish guy, and he was the the owner, CEO, started the business from scratch, whatever. And I remember I, anytime he would call me to his office, it's like boom, I, I hop up because of course the big boss calls you. You gotta you gotta go right away. That's the first thing. Second of all, I know like damn, I know he gotta speed up because the speed that he moves at, like not just so he talks and he works, but physically moves. Like when he's walking, he moves. And I would always be like, oh, I got to speed up. I get to him, and no matter how times I had experience with this guy, when I get to him, I had to speed up even more. It's like, I already thinking, like, I got to speed up, but I still had to speed up even more once I got to him. Because it's like, boom, boom, boom. I need this done. This, 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 this. Boom. It ain't the same, man. At my job, I mean, I, I meet... See some of these young kids, man, from the hood, and some of them, they're not bad kids, but they're kind of slow. Like, it's like they're, they're not used to thinking at a certain speed, even. It's like click, 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 click. I mean, you got to get around real bosses and see how they move, man. Right. Right. It's life changing. It's like if, if you've never been exposed to certain things, you can be exposed to those things through work. And so I would say don't take those experiences for granted because they can change your life. But if you're one of these people who we talked about earlier, who sees the boss and starts hating on the boss and starts talking about what he doesn't deserve, you're probably going to remain an employee for a long time. And that's what I see when I see people hating on Elon Musk. I see people who are destined to be broke. And it's like, I don't want to be destined to be broke. I'm trying to get to Elon levels. And I might not touch the Elon levels because that's next level stuff. But I can get close and I can take strides toward that, which will get me a lot further ahead than a lot of people who are just hating on him. Right. You said there's no such thing as a million dollar career. That's a uh, question that ain't more hate. But. Yeah. It's just, I was thinking about that today. I was like, man. I was like, you can create a million dollar business, but you can't create a million dollar career. So if you want to be a millionaire and you aren't building a business, good luck with that, Chuck. <laughs> good luck with that, Chuck. A long road, long road. You said- I was even thinking about like I was even thinking about selling the business. I was like, I've built certain businesses that have so like have recurring revenue that if I wanted, I could sell them and just walk away with the check. Like, okay, a 10 multiple, bringing in a million dollars a year, that's a $10 million business. I could sell that for $8 million. I'm okay with that. I, my oh, family nice. can retire off of $8 million. <laughs> I don't know. Not, not bad, not bad. Reminds me of Dame Dash. Dame Dash, I was looking to build a business and sell a business. And he thing's all about flipping, flipping, flipping until he get his billion so he could buy a football team. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard him talk about that recently, but that's what he used to talk about. And you said, investing money is how you will get super rich. The only reason to save money is to one day invest money. Man, so there's a great book. Um, there's a great book called The Millionaire Book Club by Grant Cardone. 
and he was just talking about that. Now, granted, I don't think that it's, it, this is going to sound crazy, but I don't think that investing is how you get rich. I think selling stuff is how you get rich. Um, I think that maybe investing is what you do after you get the money, but I really feel like selling things is how you get rich. Um, and I've just been realizing that the more that we sell things. And so um, I just, I posted that from Grant Cardone. I think it makes sense, but I think the most important thing, the reason why I posted it is because um, it speaks to saving to invest, not just saving to save. And so I posted something about putting your savings in a REIT and the Ivy investor, she was like, that's stupid. Don't do that, dude. You should be, what did she say? She said, savings should be sacred and you shouldn't just be investing your, you shouldn't just be putting your money out there at risk. And so like I heard her, but I still think she's wrong. And this is one of those things that I've learned is like, it's okay for experts to disagree. A lot of times experts think that they are the end all be all and they don't realize like, bro, it's possible for us to disagree on some shit. Like it doesn't, it's not all one way. Like the Grant Cardone works, the Dave Ramsey work with Method Works. And I think that Dave Ramsey or Grant Cardone might be right. Cause when you hit on an investment, you can hit really big. Because one of the things he talks about in that chapter is like most people don't win because they don't invest big enough to actually win anything. And so in that regard, he is right. And so aside from that, I just feel like the truth is that you do save to invest, but you got to invest. And we've talked about this on the show is like, we don't have the luxury of, of just playing it safe and doing nothing and taking the easy way out. And we do that a lot. And <clears throat> just that's kind of where I am. It's kind of all over the place because it's not a complete thought. But we have to save to invest. And I was ordering some food right now. We have to save to invest. And then we also have to realize that, like, we have to take some risk. Everybody's out here, like, I'm trying to take the risk-free route to wealth. And I don't think that exists. I think that the risk-free route might land you in what we've always gotten, which doesn't look like wealth. It looks like poverty. And nobody enjoys where we are right now. And so we have to approach where we are with that same intensity instead of saying, oh, well, I know that the status quo says do this, but the status quo obviously isn't working for us. And so we have to switch stuff up. And it's frustrating to me because I tell people like, we, we can't just keep doing what we've always been doing and then expect different results. We got to switch it up. Like we can't just work a job. Obviously that doesn't work because our parents did that work a job stuff. We can't just, um, I mean, I don't know of other excuse, of other examples, but there's things that we do, like kicking kids out of 18. It doesn't work. Not giving kids an inheritance. It doesn't work. We can't, we can't continue to do things that don't work and then get the results of what doesn't work and then like blame everything else but our, our decisions. And that's what happens. We'll just do a bunch of stuff because it's easy and it's fun and it's quick. And then like even like approaching police officers, it's like, yeah, it's difficult to humble yourself before a police officer, but the end is like a, a life. Like, do you want to live or do you want to beat a, a police officer in an argument? A lot of people would say like, well, it shouldn't be like that. And I've been finding that like, I don't even want to have political arguments with certain people anymore because people get very, very passionate about their politics and they get very, very emotional and irrational. And it's just a conversation that I'd rather avoid. But I'm finding that like the same thing is true with life decisions. And that's why as like talking about the, the ghetto stuff, it's like, I just want to leave people where they are. Like if that's what you are over there, 
just do you over there and be great. And I'm going to do me over here and be happy. But I'm not going to try to convince you to be like I am because it's a waste of my energy. It's a waste of my time. And you're not going to change anyway. I'm going to just continue to live my life and try to be a great father and look at the skyscraper and order Chipotle. Right. No Del Tacos. No Del Taco. I like I like I like quality fast food, man. If I'm eating fast food, I want it to be Chick Fil A, Chipotle, In and Out, maybe Five Guys. But I can't be going. You can't be going to KFC in the big body. You know what I'm saying? You can't be going to McDonald's in the big body. What is this? What are we doing? Right. Can't be going to McDonald's in the big body. Sure. Now this one, this this last tweet I got for you. I'm really surprised this didn't get a lot of heat. I think people don't even realize what you're saying here. But you said in a tweet, if you have a mortgage, you shouldn't be going out to eat. I think it speaks to like the fact that having no mortgage makes you financially free and the freedom is priceless. But there's so many people who make $100,000 a year and have a $300,000 mortgage and be out here living their best lives. And I can't for the life of me understand why somebody with a $100,000 mortgage or with a $300,000 mortgage who makes $100,000 a year would take that mortgage full term. I feel like taking a mortgage full term is one of the most inner things you could do. Like you have to get that mortgage out the paint immediately. It's not a luxury of just like, I'm going to just, I'm going to just drag this out because the longer you drag it out, the longer you have to work a job. The longer you have to work a job, the longer you have to have a boss. The longer you have to have a boss, the longer you can't make what you're really worth. And so you got to get the mortgage out of the way so you can get the job out of the way so you can create income that far exceeds what that job is paying you. If that job is paying you $100,000, it's because you're worth a million. If that job is paying you $50,000, it's because you're worth 150 or maybe even a half a million. But people don't realize it because they don't have the luxury of doing so. I go into, I was literally, I was thinking about this today and I don't know if I was thinking about it at the job or if I was thinking it at home, thinking about it at home, but I was like, you know what? If my business made as much money in one day as my job pays me every two weeks, I would consider that a bad day. And I was like, that is crazy to me because like I said, I used to work a part-time job on the weekends. And I looked at the W-2 and I was like, I make that in a day. And I was over here running around in circles, helping somebody else build wealth, being underappreciated for money I can make in a day using my brain. And I was like, I'll never go back to that again. And I'm thankful that I don't have to do that. And I think that my son is a big motivator in me not having to go to that. And so I'm thankful for him. But I just am realizing that mortgage debt is slavery. Student loan debt is slavery. If you look at my student loan debts, the the amount that I would pay them if I were to take it full term is like twice what the balance is. And so I was like, I, I have no choice but to build assets and chunk this out. And so I paid them a thousand dollars a week. I was like, I have no choice. Y'all gonna get this paper because I'm about to get you up out of my life. And even a thousand dollars a week isn't enough. I gotta bump that up. And and the goal is to start taking like massive windfalls and just chunking that out. So it's like at that point in time, then we start doing flips. We take the flip cash and we're like, bam, like let's plow that into taking care of these student loans. But a lot of this stuff, it's just a different form of slavery and they don't care. They're actually happy. But the interesting thing about it is we're not even really slaves to people. We're slaves to corporations and entities. And so these entities become the slave masters and Sally Mae is a corporation. They're publicly traded. And so they haven't, they're not in the, we love you business. They're in the, we own you business. And my goal is just to not be owned. It's like Kanye West says, like, this is a free man talking. I'm trying to be a free man 100%. And that's my only focus is being free. And so I would recommend for everybody else to take the free route and aim towards that free route. 
and avoid the current state that we are in, which looks like a bunch of debt, looks like monthly payments, looks like working for other people. I'm just not about that. And so build your own. That's pretty much all I got to say. Build your own, take 10 actions. We're not taking enough actions, man. I feel like we got to take more actions to make more money. And what we've taken have gotten us this far. And that's why I'm so picking up the pace on everything because I'm just like, okay, if we got here with this, now let's double time it. Let's, let's, let's kill it even more. Let's hustle some more. Let's create some more content. Let's make sure we have those links in the bottom of our content and let's create the book. I'm going to work on that book tonight. Let's work on getting a video course out for whatever you want to have your course on. We need more content, more information to sell, more products, more, more, more. Kobe stuff. Emphasis on more. Exactly. You know what's so funny is you look at that Kanye West video and we thought Kanye really was at the height of his everything he was doing. I don't think Kanye was with Adidas just yet because it was a Nike commercial. So I'm pretty sure he wasn't with Adidas just yet. And so Kobe was like, more. And he was like, but I'm already successful. And he got more successful. Kanye wasn't touching Billy, Billy Levels yet. He was very comfortable. Lamborghini, Lamborghini Aventador, all that stuff. But now, mm-hmm. untouchable. We could always touch more. And that's why like, I'm more inspired and more motivated now that we are where we are than when I was where I was. I'm not done. I'm more inspired. I'm more motivated. I, we got to kick out more. We need more shirts. We need more everything, everything. We got to get to that level, Raphael. More, 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 more. (laughs) Gotcha. More. Episode five, nine. And I just hit 1,400 followers on Twitter. Raphael, you need to post more. You have a lot to say. I do need to post more. If you post more, I can retweet you more. Gotcha, I got you. And I mean, I was watching um, How to Build a Six-Figure Digital Business, and... I'm like, oh, I definitely got to post more, man. Got to post more, more. For the listeners, be sure to click uh, click the links in the, the show notes. You must get that How to Build a Six-Figure Digital Business from Charles Touch Capital. Fire, the new updates. Crazy. I got to tell you, you really, you really, you really had a lot of value in that last, that last piece, like you said. Between now and the last episode, I, I hadn't watched the last piece yet. And I was like, I need to go watch this, man. I really put a lot into that one. So definitely, definitely go buy that, guys. Buy that. Be sure to follow us on Twitter. That's me, Raphael, at Work Money Life. Follow Charles at Todd Billion. Follow us on Instagram at Tweet Talk Podcast. Follow Charles on Instagram at Todd Billion. Also at Todd.Capital. Also at Bless a Black Man. Follow the luggage brand Views Premium Goods at Views Lifestyle underscore product. Get you some product. Bags, vending machines, homes. Let's go homes and product too. Whatever. Homes and product too. Go to Todd Capital. Got code. Learn how to make some money, man. Learn how to make some money. Get the new bags. Get the courses. And the book. We're getting that book out this week. Getting that book out this week. Don't be a little beat. Dropping this weekend on Friday. Pick it up. The links will be in the show notes. First book from Tweet Talk. Don't be a little beat. Watch out for the. We got a hot guest coming up in the next episode. Keep that a secret for now. Keep that between me and you for now. So for episode 59 of Tweet Talk, Raphael and Charles, we are out. Peace. Podcast listeners, what's up? If you've reached the end of the show, 
Thanks so much for listening. We value your time. And that's why we want to give you the best sounding, best produced quality of content we possibly can. And this podcast you've been listening to has been edited and produced by yours truly. I'm Donald The Voice. I'm a 10 year voiceover artist, narrator and production specialist that wants to see only the best life giving, equipping and long lasting content be produced to help others. So if you have commercial video editing or other production needs, I'd love to talk with you. That's right. Visit DonaldTheVoice.com and hit the contact page to talk about how we can work together to bring your content to life. Okay, so you're not an email person. Well, you can also contact me on Instagram at DonaldTheVoice or on Facebook.com forward slash Donald dot the voice i'm looking forward to talking to you